Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more? My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to be a new IPO. And provides unbiased answers. I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our February 4th, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. Steve Peasley is on vacation this week, but I'm here. I've been here all week, and I'm happy to be here today to answer your finance and investment questions. And on this program and podcast, we've always told you that the market can be volatile, can be unpredictable. And we've been witnessing a lot of transition in the markets and cycles. That's one thing I learned early on about markets is that there are cycles and you need to respect those cycles. And cycles happen in every asset class, uh, obviously happen in the economy, even happens in your own life. We all have good times and we have tough times. And so... You're never as, it's never as good as the great times, and it's never as bad as the terrible times. It's usually somewhere in the middle, and you have to decide which side of the pendulum swing, swing you are on and which way it's going. Is it continuing on in a certain direction, or has it started to reverse? And I think you're all getting that sense that the COVID stimulus highs uh, have reversed somewhat. The question is, how far away are we back to uh, from that, that pendulum, the middle of the pendulum, right, where, where reality is? So my job is to help you navigate this transition period and just the markets in general. And guess what? You're going to have shifts throughout your lifetime. And those shifts can be challenging because it upsets a natural human emotion, which is recency bias. Most people look at the recent past, and they extrapolate that forward. In reality, the next two to three years is going to be very different than the last two or three years. Do you think we're going to have another pandemic driven and a government response with lots of spending and stimulus? Probably not. It's going to be different. doesn't mean it has to be bad. It's just going to be different. The opportunity sets are different. And so my job is to help guide you to a better financial future, making good, smart decisions based on sound logic, not emotions. So as always, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success, meaning I'm bringing you along with my, with, with, with our success. And I'm not, this isn't CNBC, 
said this before, I'm not Kramer. I'm not banging bells and whistles. Definitely, hopefully don't have as bad a stock picks as him. Um, uh, but, you know, whatever I'm talking about, uh, an individual company, a sector, a strategy, the market as a whole, the economy as a whole, I'm here to present all without bias, just giving you the facts as I see them in front of me, all the data that I have, plus 20 plus years of an investment experience. So I encourage you to reach out to me with your finance and investment questions, and you can do that right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. If you're listening after hours, that's okay too. You can leave your message on the Invest Talk Voice Bank that is open 24-7. Either way, the number never changes. It's 888-99-CHART. Hi, guys. This is Brett from New Jersey. Uh, I want to thank you guys for all that you do. Listen every day. I've been following along with your regional bank information. I wanted to get involved. I bought two today and hope you can uh, tell me if I made a good or a bad decision with them. The two are Citizens Financial Group, ticker CFG, and the other one is Signature Bank, SBNY. Thanks again. Uh, Looking forward to your answer. Take care. All right. Looking at Two regional banks, one is Citizens Financial Group, and this is located primarily in the New England area, Mid-Atlantic and Midwest regions. So its geographical reach is definitely broader than uh, SBNY, which is focused on New York. And historically, uh, I think Citizens is a, a better run business. It's certainly less expensive. Based on next year's earnings of uh, almost $5 per share, you're talking about 11 times earnings, whereas SBNY, that's trading at about 20 times current earnings, forward earnings uh, closer to 15 times. Uh, now, I rather own Citizens, to be honest with you. Uh, I think they're, you, you, you see their revenue growth isn't as strong, but their profit margins are better. And so I like that. I like I like the geographical diversity of a citizens, and I don't like how SBNY is so concentrated in in New York City overall. And uh, that's that's my kind of main difference between the two. If you look at return on equity for uh, SBNY, it's been in the low teens or so over the last decade, um, whereas. Uh, citizens is uh, on the rise. Uh, and so I like that. So I like just the, the broad reach there. So I'm going to go with citizens over SBNY, but they're both fine. They're both regional banks. And I think you're going to do well with both. Uh, maybe it's good to have a little bit of a little bit of both. But if I'm picking one over the other, I'm picking citizens. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. What have investors learned halfway through earnings reporting season? A lot can be gleaned for, for, from corporate America. One is that they have a lot of cash. And that 2022 earnings don't look as robust as 2021, which actually is a bit of a worry, especially considering that, especially considering that um, we're early in the year. And usually throughout the year, that those earnings estimates come down. So we're going to look at that data and get a sense of what's happening on that front. And then zero interest convertible bonds. This has been a, it's a hallmark of a, a boom times when investors are just chasing companies that and they want to get in at any price. And one way that these money losing growth companies can stay afloat and, and stay 
investing in their business is through zero coupon bonds. It's a cheaper way to to raise capital. And that's been reversing lately. And we're going to talk about why that is. Uh, oil frackers also is the shale boom dwindling. We're going to talk about that. And then lastly, prices for everyday items uh, are changing more often. Why is that? Well, because of dynamic pricing, something the airline industry has been using for a long time, but more and more companies are using it every single day. So that's what, uh, those are the things that are on my docket, but ultimately I want to hear from what's on your mind. So give me a call, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now let's look at the market today with the S&P up 23 points down early in the day, but really rallied for most of the day before a late day, uh, a bit of a sell-off. More of a pause day, really, and let's look at let's look at the let's look at the volume. I really what I'm really watching for is a high volume reversal day, to where the market's down and there's a lot of volume uh, heading out the door. And you would say yesterday would be one of those days, but it was barely higher than than uh, Wednesday's volume. So and it wasn't it wasn't any higher than you saw the previous five days before that. So it wasn't like this high volume reversal day, despite what happened with Facebook and the market was down a good amount. And that made me say that, you know, this is probably just a small little pullback. Remember, the Fed is still buying assets until for another eight weeks. So they're still injecting liquidity into the system. So a large sell off is is probably not uh, likely, certainly possible. But I'm actually expecting some more upside in, in the near term. Uh, still a rotation, so going to continue that rotation uh, into value out of growth. Growth stocks definitely had a better day today, obviously on the back of Amazon's earnings that kind of got a, gave a lift to the whole tech sector as a whole. But Amazon didn't really close. If you look at the two days combined from yesterday's sell-off to today's close, Amazon only went from about three uh, 3033 on the close on, let me actually give you a uh, exact number, 3,012, excuse me, on the close on Wednesday. And today it closed at 3,152. So uh, 100 and about four or 5%, nothing big. It's not a big move uh, in, in net. So I, I still think we have some upside in the market overall, but still a continued rotation. Now we're heading into a quick break, but I'm here ready to answer your investment and finance questions on Invest Talk at 888 chart. Invest Talk is always made better when our listeners contribute their questions. So tell your friends and family members they can interact in real time with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein during the Invest Talk live stream program between 4 and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Or they can leave their questions anytime 24 7 in the Invest Talk voice bank. 888 99 Chart. Hi, I'm Steve and Dustin. My name is John in North Carolina. I have a question about WBK. It's a Westpac banking in Australia. Uh, recently, the ADR was uh, delisted from uh, the New York Stock Exchange, and I was caught by surprise. So at this point, I have no idea what to do with this ADR. So I would appreciate uh, any advice regarding this investment. Thank you very much. Uh, take care. Bye. This is a great lesson out there to everyone that 
especially foreign listed companies, foreign companies listed here on US exchanges, they can be delisted. And oftentimes, if you aren't up on what's happening, you might get your company delisted when you're not paying attention. That typically doesn't happen all at once. You get some warning and so you can sell the, the shares. But and this is happening more and more with Chinese companies. You see that with China Mobile over the past couple of, of years. And I think there's going to be more and more you see with, with, over the next few years, uh, Chinese listed companies that are going to be uh, delisted from our exchanges because of accounting uh, irregularities and issues. So Westpac, I don't know why Westpac in general got delisted. It's not a Chinese company. It's actually an Australian bank, Australia and New Zealand uh, bank. And historically, it's been a, it's been a pretty good bank. I don't love it, uh, to be honest with you, at these these levels and what's happening with Australia and their economy in relation to COVID or in relation to China. And then you also have obviously have the COVID issue. They're a lot tighter, which creates a lot more uh, economic disruptions within Australia and a lot more. And that, that puts pressure on banks because more companies and businesses are probably not performing as well as they would if the uh, restrictions are lifted. So I don't love Westpac. Uh, in that case. Now, if you're trying to sell it, you should need to talk to your broker. Your broker should be able to sell it. Uh, you should be able to sell it. If you can't, they're the ones that are going to have to try to unload it for you. And unfortunately, sometimes that can be costly. The commissions can be a lot higher and more of a pain. So just giving you a heads up there, and I would just talk to your broker. Now, on Fridays, <clears throat> Steve generally makes time to fit in a quick roundup a round down, rundown. There we go. Rundown of key benchmark numbers. So let me let me go over it. Two year treasury yield was one point three one. Last week was only one point one seven. Two weeks back, one about one percent, and six weeks back, 0.64. So you see the market continue to price in a more hawkish Fed. And with the jobs number that came out today, which definitely beat expectations, definitely a lot better a lot better than the ADP number had suggested. In fact, we even upped our, our the earnings, or excuse me, the job creation from last uh, last month uh, on top of beating this month's expectations by, by, by a, a wide margin. And that's why you see interest rates uh, up and definitely not reversing. And the 10-year treasury yield now to 1.91. That's up from 1.8 last week. Gold around 1806. That's up from 1782 last week. And silver, 22.46, up slightly from last week, 22.32. Oil was selling at $92 a barrel, way up from last week's 84 and change level. The national average of gasoline now at $3.42, up 7 cents from last week. Here in California, $4.66, that's up a couple pennies from last week uh, on gasoline. And in Arkansas, the cheapest, only averaging $3.07 per gallon. Now we're moving into a break, and I'll return with my focus point and your questions here on Invest Talk at 888 chart The market is constantly changing, and you've got to be ready to react. You'll have questions. Steve and Justin have answers. The Invest Talk Anytime listener line never closes. 888 chart. We're going to go talk to Dave. He's in Ohio. He wants to talk about Honeywell. Well, thanks for taking my uh, call, Justin. Of course. Yeah, uh, I, was look, I was looking at Honeywell. 
The symbol is a H-O-N. Mm-hmm. And it's down so much. Would this be a good uh, buy point? Your Would thoughts? this be a good buy point? Well, here's the issue is that earnings estimates for this year and next year are coming down. And uh, they just had earnings, and they disappointed, obviously. Like you said, they're they're down, down 19% from its 52-week high. And trading, uh, even based on forward-looking earnings, about 19 times. But uh, that's a little expensive for something that uh, isn't really growing its earnings. And I think that's the biggest issue here. Now, its enterprise value to EBIT is, uh, is about 16 times. And historically, it trades closer to the low teens. 12, 13 times. So I think it's still not cheap enough. And if you look technically, it's in a downtrend. And there probably isn't major support until about 175 or so, and you're at 191. So I think there's at least a, a, about a 10% downside from here. And that would get it more in line with long-term uh, multiple averages. But I still wouldn't call it cheap yet. So uh, to be honest with you, I'd probably be patient on it. Maybe by middle of the year, it could get the, get there. But uh, you know, you have a lot of uh, headwinds and, and, and earnings uh, estimates that are coming down. And so I like that it's on your watch list because Honeywell, longer term, return on equity averages uh, about 25% over the last decade. That is very, very strong, uh, good, consistent cash flow, $5.2 billion trailing 12 months, but still $131 billion market cap. So only about a 4% free cash flow yield, which is decent. But for a company that's not really growing very much, uh, that's that's not super enticing. They are buying back shares. That's good. But uh, you're, you're not quite in the, the level yet to where it gets super attractive. But 15% lower from here, I could see it being uh, viable. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. What have investors learned halfway through earnings reporting season? Well, a lot can be gleaned. About half of S&P 500 companies have reported so far. And the good news is they have a lot of cash. They're buying back shares and they're, they're raising their dividends. The bad news is that earnings are not nearly as robust as last year. Now, this quarter... Revenues will hit three, or sorry, the cash on company balance sheets will reach three and a half trillion dollars for the first time. Sorry, that's sales, excuse me, total sales. <laughs> and the three trillion was hit at, in the first fourth quarter of 2020. So they've gone from three trillion to three and a half trillion in just a, about a year. And Companies are reporting they're beating estimates by only 4.6%. Historical average is about 16% over the last five quarters. And earnings estimates for the first quarter have actually been declining. And they're going up slightly for second and third quarter. But like I said, the farther you are away from those earnings estimates, the typically more too optimistic they are. If they're... Earnings estimates for this quarter are coming down. That Part of that could be Omicron, and I think a lot of the investors are, are blaming it on that. But at least it's going to be probably a little bit more accurate. Now, the second quarter of last year saw record operating profit margins of 13.5%. A lot of companies benefited from higher revenues, but lower labor costs, a lot of fixed costs, uh, rent on their real estate, uh, and more use of technology brought a lot of uh, a, a lot of a lot of efficiency within their workforce. 
but corporations are now feeling the pinch of inflation, higher labor costs, higher commodity costs, and that has brought operating margins down to 12.7%. Still healthy, but lower than what you saw peak in the second quarter of last year. Now, what does this all mean? Well, guidance has not been that great. Earnings are expected to rise only 8% this year, much worse than the 47% increase last year. And the estimates for the next few quarters don't really reflect the challenges of inflation, issues of supply chain. And so the big question, are future earnings for second, third, and fourth quarter more wishful thinking? Analysts are really just seeing uh, penciling a blip for Q1 blaming Omicron. Is that really all it is? Even when 3M says they're seeing inflation going downstream and in more places than just shipping, for example, even Facebook or Meta, they're saying, quote, we're hearing from advertisers that micro macroeconomic challenges like cost inflation and supply chain disruptions are impacting advertiser budgets. So if you can't get the goods and you don't have the workers to fulfill the orders, are you going to spend money on advertising? Probably not. And so that's her, that was one reason why Facebook had such poor earnings. Now, the question is, does that make the market expensive? Well, based on current estimates, SP is trading about 20 and a half times earnings. Historically, closer to in the mid to high teens is where usually trades. And when you see bad earnings like Facebook, it's getting hit worse. PayPal getting hit a lot worse than typical. And that shows a broader weakness, I think, in especially those larger cap names. So, you know, when are we going to see our turnaround earnings? Well, uh, Omicron obviously has to get out of the way. Easing of supply chains and inflation pressures. Those will, I think, help uh, earnings overall. But you're definitely seeing a, a mixed picture on earnings. And uh, it's not looking nearly as great as we thought it would starting the year. Now, it's a busy Invest Talk Friday coming up soon. I will preview the KPP Premium Newsletter. And my phone lines are open for you at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. 
As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Hello, my name is Duncan from New York. Thank you for your answer about the S&P 500. It really helped. My next question is about financials stocks. So as with interest rates are rising, I think, uh, as you said before, that would be a good pivot play. I'm not too fond of financial stocks, so I'm just going to start looking at EFTs. I came across two EFTs. It is KRE, the Spider Regional Banking ETF, and the KBE, the Spider S&P Bank ETF. Both of them have the same expense ratio. I remember one of you guys saying on the podcast that, you know, regional banks would actually do very well. Uh, you guys like regional banks better. So would it be better for me to do the KRE to kind of get myself exposed to the financial markets during the high interest rates times? Looking forward to uh, your answer and thank you for all the help. Have a great day. Bye. All right. These are ETFs. I think you said EFTs. ETFs, exchange traded funds. One, they're very similar. One is they're both by Spiders. One is S&P Bank ETF. The other is the S&P Regional Bank ETF. And I'm looking at their holdings, and they're very similar. Both top holdings are M&T Bank. And then the rest, the top 10, are, are kind of a, a, a different mix. It looks like the Regional Bank one is more, uh, more concentrated, uh, less holdings, 138 holdings there, whereas uh, actually... Looks like more holdings, but more concentrated in the top end. So MT MNT Bank is 2.2, whereas uh, in the bank ETF, this is 1.59. I mean, you're kind of splitting hairs here. Uh, let me take a look. This is more, yeah, bank small cap. I mean, they're very similar. I don't see much of a difference here. Uh, it looks like regional banks probably are more of a pure play. You're diversifying a bit more, but definitely more top-heavy. I, I honestly don't see a whole lot of difference, uh, to be honest with you. If I'm picking one, I'm picking KRE. Uh, like you said, both the same expense ratio, both by the same issuer, both very liquid. I don't know why they would have two different ones. I'd have to really look at the explanation of different their their definition of the 
S&P bank index versus the regional bank index. Because I think bank, and I think broadly, you're getting a lot of JP Morgans and Wells Fargo's uh, and the larger banks, as opposed to the regional banks. But that's not really the case here. I don't even see any of these large banks here. So it, it, it's it's odd that they have both of these, but I would just go with the regional bank one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here you go. Wells Fargo is the eighth highest in the bank one. So uh, that's, a, that's a large bank. So yeah, go with the regional bank one. Now, the KPP Premium Newsletter was finished today, and it will be distributing to subscribers tomorrow morning. And let's talk about a preview. Now, now in market conditions section, we explain that the market started the week on a positive note by rebounding from the previous week's sell-off. Job openings totaled about $11 million in December. The quits level, which, was, which has gone up substantially in recent months, has now slowed to $4.34 million, which is a decrease of 3.6%, so less people quitting. Layoffs and discharges fell 1.17 million. That reading represents a decline of 10.7%. So less people quitting and less people getting fired. And that's a 36% drop from the same month in 2020. Now this shows that workers have found more jobs security than ever before. Now businesses continue to expand and we, we see this evidenced by the ISM manufacturing survey for January, which was 576 that number represents the share of businesses reporting expansion for the month. So if it's over 50, there is expansion. The ISM index reflected inflationary pressures in the pipeline as the price paid index in January hit 76.1, up 7.9% from December. These are important metrics, and the Federal Reserve is closely monitoring these inputs as data continues, data points to provide a gauge on how aggressive it should be with regard to policy tightening. Now, on the earnings front, market expectations are far less concrete than they were in 2021. Many analysts are predicting that earnings will be hitting a wall in the first and second quarter. Now, in the portfolio management section, we explain that achieving optimal asset allocation in a portfolio is a more complicated task than most investors realize. Asset allocation refers to the strategy of dividing your total investment portfolio among various asset classes, such as stocks, bonds, real estate, commodities, CDs, money markets, uh, etc., now, the gain optimal asset allocation, first break down your portfolio by asset class. Divide your stocks into groups such as large, mid, small, international, emerging markets, fixed income, money market, and then determine the net value of your real estate investments. So that's the start of those sections, and obviously there's more. And we provide specific formula examples in the newsletter. Now, in the stock ideas section, we focus on a leading tobacco company engaged in the manufacturing and sale of cigarettes and other nicotine-containing products in the markets in markets outside the U.S. The company uses their free cash flow to pay back their shareholders in the form of div- dividend currently at 4.82%. As well as we highlight a leading global manufacturer and marketer of cereal, cookies, crackers, other specific packaged goods. Its offerings are manufactured in 21 countries and marketed in more than 180 different countries, currently yielding 3.6%. And we name those names in the newsletter. Now, there's a good deal of value in the KPP Premium Newsletter. And when you subscribe over at investtalk.com, you will receive the newsletter each Saturday morning via your inbox. And you can subscribe at investtalk.com. Now, let's, uh, let's touch a bit on convertible bonds. And this, is, this has been a hot craze over the past couple of years. In fact, over the last two years, $200 billion in convertible bonds have been issued. And 57 billion of those bonds pay no interest at all. Now what convertible bonds are, are typically raised by companies that have 
poor credit ratings, uh, they're growth companies, and they don't have cash flows, much cash flow to pay out their pay interest on the bond. So what they do is they attach basically call options to their uh, these bonds so that if the company succeeds, that's, that the bondholders will convert their bonds into equity and at a much higher price and earn a big, big return, much better than the, the paltry amount of interest that they're typically getting. Now, a lot of companies like uh, SoFi and Snapchat and DraftKings, Shake Shack, Spotify, etc., they were they were leading the charge in issuing these shares uh, or these these type of bonds. Tesla as well, and many of them paid zero interest, hoping that investors are hoping the shares would rise. And in a time when uh, there, there's a lot of fervor for equities, this is very common. It's a, it's kind of a hallmark of the boom times. Is that convertible bonds make a big big comeback? problem is that now the NASDAQ is down 11% so far this year, a lot of those bonds, those call option strike prices are getting further and further, further out of the money, which means it's a lot harder for those companies to raise equity or raise, uh, raise capital, excuse me. And the, the, the biggest problem is that these bonds eventually mature. Okay. Typically, they're five years in duration, meaning after five years, the company needs to pay back the principal on those bonds. And the big question is, will they be able to do that over the next two, three years? Now, before 2020, zero coupon convertible bonds were kind of a rarity. Only 18 companies between 2009 and 2019 issued zero coupon bonds. In 2020, there were 22 such offerings. 2021, 45. Companies like DraftKings, Airbnb, Affirm Holdings, all raised billions of dollars with zero interest and big conversion premiums, meaning that they're giving out a, a lot of equity in these bonds. So will they be able to pay them? Will they be able to grow into those valuations? Probably not. And I think that's a big risk for a lot of these companies that did issue it. But it's a good, it's a, it's a good hallmark. Like I said, it's something to keep in the back of your mind. When zero or low coupon convertible bond issuance is rampant, that means there's a lot of excessive fervor in the market. Now let's keep things moving and switch back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from Massachusetts on 888-99 chart. Hi, Stephen, Justin. I'm calling from Massachusetts. I love the show, and thank you for all you do. Um, I'm wondering if you could look at the ticker symbol MOS. That's the Mosaic Company. I like the fertilizer field, and I think um, that's a nice, safe area to be in right now. If you give me your opinion on the stock, I'd appreciate it. Thank you very much. Bye. Are you looking at Mosaic? MOS is the symbol. And this is in the fertilizer space. Now, what they do is this is a combination of IMC Global and Cargill's fertilizer business back in 2004. And they primarily produce crop nutrient phosphate and potash. And they have assets including phosphate rock mines in Florida, Louisiana, Brazil, and Peru, and potash mines in Saskatchewan, Canada, New Mexico, and Brazil. Large company, $16 billion market cap. But a 1% forward-looking dividend. The one thing you have to remember is they're, they're a price taker. 
And that's the case for most commodity producers. So their business is going to be up and down. But right now, it is booming. So it's to make $7.75 this year. And it's only a $43 stock. So there's a lot of room for that to even moderate down to four or five bucks. And it's still relatively cheap. I don't expect them to continue with that seven, eight dollars a share in earnings, but uh, I, I like what you're ta- talking about. I, I think there's food inflation is next. We've seen the price of energy go up. You have an energy crisis in Europe, and half of the world's fertilizer is artificial, meaning it is produced using natural gas as a big input, and so people still need to eat no matter what, and. The companies that can actually produce and uh, deliver to the market, they're earning outsized uh, returns. And uh, Mosaic is one of them. And so I'm going to give Mosaic a thumbs up in my book. 8899 chart, 8892-4278. I encourage you to reach out to me if you do have a question. Uh, our show lasts another about 10 minutes. Now, I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial based in Irvine, California, where we practice parallel investing and independent thinking and shared success. And that's how we bring you along in our success. We invest right alongside our clients. So if you want help understanding where your portfolio is, where your strategy is right now, where it should be going, reach out to me. Take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting. Send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial office at 800-557-5461. We'd love to speak to you and help you in any way. Now, this is Invest Talk. Steve and I thank you for downloading our podcast and telling your friends as well. We'll play another caller question in 30 seconds. Hang on. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Hey, how you doing? Will Vlog. Um, calling. This question is really for Justin. I'm calling about options. I have a TD Ameritrade brokerage account. I'm trying to find out because I've been hearing that if you exercise your options, you can actually get 100 shares. So I just want to get some clarification. And I also want to ask you, how do you actually exercise options? Because when I look at my TD Ameritrade account, it just shows like close position, add to position, I don't see like an exercise option. I'll be listening to the answer on the podcast. Thank you. All right. So first off, options, one option always represents 100 shares of the underlying security, whether it's a call or a put. Now, there are some mini options, I think, on Apple and some of the bigger names, but let's ignore that. That's that's very rare. A typical option is 100 shares of the underlying company. So when you exercise them, that's what you're going to do. You're, if, you, if it's a call and it's exercised, you're going to buy that company at the strike price and it's 100 shares and you're going to need that dollar amount in your account to buy those shares. If you have a put and you exercise it, 
you are now short it. Or maybe if you own it, 100 shares of it, it's going to sell 100 shares of what you currently have. Okay, so that's what happens when you exercise an option. Now, you can exercise an option whenever you want. You have to call the broker to do it not when the option expires. Uh, but typically, you're not going to want to do that. Why is that? Because as long as there's time left on the option, there is time value in the option. And if you exercise it, then you're giving up that time value. So you typically don't want to do that. You want to just sell the option because it has a you're getting the uh, intrinsic value, meaning the difference between the current price and the, the the strike price if it's in the money, and then you are getting some time value as well. So you typically want to just sell the option. Now, if you are holding an option through expiration, meaning the th typically option expiration is a third Friday of every month. There are some weekly options, but let's just use that, the, the, the typical options, third Friday of every month. If you're holding that option through that date and your option is in the money, it is auto your broker is going to automatically exercise it for you. They're going to automatically exercise it for you if it's in the money. If it's out of the money, then it's just going to expire worthless and you know you move on. But if it's in the money, they're going to automatically, and that's why they do it. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't think you will exercise it before the option uh, expiration date. Now, sometimes you want to do it because you want to collect a dividend, for example. If tomorrow is the ex-dividend date and it's not expiring for a week, but you're in the money and you want to collect that dividend, you can exercise it today, ex-dividend tomorrow, and then you'll get it. So that's another reason why you want to do it a little bit early. Uh, so when, when, you, when you're investing in options, make sure you know exactly what's going on. We're heading to a break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. We're going to head over to Gene. He's in North Carolina, and he wants to talk about convertible bonds. Hey, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. You were just talking about convertible bonds. I wanted to get your opinion about uh, one aspect of this. If you already own the common stock for, uh, for a particular company and you hear that they're, they're currently offering a lot of convertible bonds, is there a kind of a danger that if there were, those convertible bonds were ever – uh, converted to stock that you'd be diluting the number of shares? Absolutely. Share? Yeah, I, I look at it more as a red flag. Why can't they go and issue just your standard, straightforward corporate debt, pay the 4 or 5% interest, especially right now? Cost of debt is extremely low. So why would you go and issue potentially issue more shares in order to, to do that? It means their cash flow is very weak. They can't afford that cash flow uh, of, of paying the interest. So yeah, uh, it's both near term that they're that they're struggling to issue your 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 standard straightforward debt, and in the future is that even if you they do do well, they're going you're going to get diluted because those 
convertible bond holders are going to convert their bonds into shares. Uh, and that right. means that th- that would dilute yeah, you, yes. Right, just as if they had a, a, another offering of, of common stock. Yep, yep. Could be diluting. Yeah. Okay, hey, thanks and a lot. That, and that's something that uh, a lot of people don't don't look at. They don't see. When you're looking at balance sheets is how many shares are outstanding, but what about convertible bond offerings that are going to be converted into shares in the future? And a lot of people overlook that figure as well. So yeah, just uh, it's great in the boom times, but just like anything, when times are really, really good, it's, it's very enticing for companies to issue these type of securities in, in bad times. It's not because you have to pay a high premium for these and you're still paying some sort of, uh, of interest. So yeah, I, I don't love convertible bonds as an investment and they're kind of a red flag for me. Let's go to Daniel in Palo Alto looking at S a R K, which is the short arc ETF. Correct. Correct, Justin. Yeah, I already own a small position. I was thinking of adding to it here. I just wondered what your thoughts were. Of course, it's uh, uh, given the rising interest rates, it's uh, uh, my proxy for the opposite of Kathy Wood's companies, which are going to be having trouble with earnings, is my guess, and mm-hmm. are certainly vulnerable given that so many of them are bios and mm-hmm. tech-related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like it. My worry, though, is that you kind of had this you have this time when, when you're right about something. I've been talking about ARC for a while and how terrible it is and, and, and how no one should own it. I've seen a lot of, been done a lot of portfolio reviews over the past couple of years that had ARC and, and even clients that transferred this in and I try to sell it as quickly as possible. Um, but then you get to a point where everyone's talking about it, about, hey, I was right, but now everyone's talking about it and it makes you feel a little uncomfortable, at least in the near term that, okay, this is now a little bit too obvious. And often you get a, a counter trend rally of some type. And I, th- I think you, you might be getting that at the very minimum, maybe a consolidation period. Uh, and, and so I worry that there'll be a little more upside for the arc uh, and, and the growth stocks in the very short term because they were so oversold and there was this giant tech wreck and 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 I see a little bit more upside for the market as a whole. So I think that would uh, probably give some, a little bit of life to uh, ARKK and the arc funds in the short short term. But to me, it's just a dead cat bounce. It's just a, a small rally on the way to much much lower levels. So. Would I short more here? Do I think it's going to be lower a year from now? Yes. Do I think you're going to get a, probably a better opportunity to buy more SARK in the next three months? Probably. So uh, I, it would almost kind of dollar cost average in. in. You see uh, a, a big up day in ARK and a down day in SARK. Uh, pick up a, a little in dollar cost average over the next few months before that next rollover and you know uh counter rallies can last uh, many months uh, and you, n- you never know how, when it's going to make that next uh, move down thanks for the call daniel i'm justin klein this completes another invest talk program steve peasley and i thank you for listening we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads and it's official we crossed 38 million mark and are on our way to 39 thanks to you you can get yours anytime at itunes spotify or google play and be sure to rate and review on itunes and if you leave a question with your review we will prioritize that answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is the best talk. Good night.
Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 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 